Happy Women's History Month. What is up, everyone? This is Press X to Start Podcast, Season 6, Episode 8. Press X to Start Podcast is an audio and video podcast seeking to transform the video game media landscape through an underserved and protected point of view. I am your host, DJ, a.k.a. The Forbidden D, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. Do you know who J.N. Lopez is? Anyone? Nope. No? Okay. I know who Jennifer Lopez is. True, true. I'm going to say that J.N. Lopez is more popular than Jennifer Lopez. I'm wrong, but, you know, (laughs) I got to support. I got to support. J.N. Lopez is a blogger who is half Cuban and half Jamaican. Marcus, do the the, the bullet bullet thing. Bullet. Thank you. Uh, She is the CEO and founder of Black Girl Gamers. It's an online safe space and platform that heightens the visibility of black women in gaming and advocates for diversity and inclusion. They are partnered with uh, the likes of PlayStation, Square Enix, EA, Netflix, Twitch, Facebook, and Adidas. If you don't know, Adidas stands for All Day I Dream About Scorpions. Um, No, shoes. All Day I Dream About Shoes. (laughs) So yeah, uh, check her out. She's pretty cool. Um, I first, uh, caught wind of her, it was a few years back where she was, um, nominee for like trending gamer in, in the game awards. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Who's this person? And I ended up like looking up her stuff. I follow her on Instagram. Like she's, she's really cool. So yeah. Who else is here? It's your boy, your heavyweight champion from a witch nigga California, AKA the janitor because we watch niggas, AKA I'm vengeance, AKA Mr. Scotty Pippen, because I'm 33 years old today or yesterday, hey. Mark Salson. Congratulations. You survived another year. How do you feel? Um, washed. Wow. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all you need is a towel, my boy. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is here? It's your boy Jordan, aka JXBot, aka Night City's best netrunner, aka oh. the maidenless one. Oh, okay. I have no I maidens at all. <laughs> no bitches. I've been, told, I've been told many times. Apparently, you need a maiden to, to upgrade and level up, so I'm not sure what that says yeah. about the real world. <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. All right. And last up, Everyone, I'm Avery. Nailed it. (laughs) All right, that is who we are. And the things that we will be talking about today is Epic Games acquires a band camp. Don't know what that's about. Uh, Star Wars Eclipse has their release date updated. And everyone is feeling feelings. Um, And then we're going to be talking about more Elden Ring because that's the thing that we need to talk about. All right. Uh, with that being said, and those are the things that we're going to be talking about, I think it is time for us to jump into the quick hits. <laughs> Avery, take it away. Hey, everyone. It's me, Avery. I'm going to do this job again. That's all. Uh, hope I'm funny. <laughs> I believe in you, King. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so our first story is from, well, our first series of stories are in the. Uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict situation and how they involve uh, video games, essentially. So number one, we have from Tom Phillips from Eurogamer, Microsoft suspends all new sales of products and services in Russia. Now to clarify, this is Microsoft proper, the corporation, not specifically Xbox, but this trickles down to Xbox content as well. They are uh, probably the most prominent in a sort of growing list of video game bodies that are beginning to honor tariffs and sanctions and uh, pick sides in this conflict, Uh, especially in the last week, Ukraine on Twitter went on record asking pretty much Microsoft and Sony to uh, honor these sanctions and uh, suspend business in this area. Microsoft is just the first to make a move in this regard. Alongside them, EA has also made the, uh, the choice to suspend all transactions and whatnot in the uk as well as activision blizzard and epic games and i believe cdpr has also joined in the we're not going to sell content in the ussr 
good on them. Uh, that's, that's something that needs to happen. Although I, I think the one thing that um, we should all be aware of is that like you want to penalize Russia for what they're doing. Right. But then you also have to recognize that the actual people of Russia are being affected and they don't necessarily support what's going on. Like um, I think in the news uh, we're, we're kind of, we're starting to see like there is, people are actually protesting the war and stuff. And that's not something that normally happens in Russia because they're so, uh, I don't, I, I can't, I don't, there you go. Yeah. It's a fascist state. Uh, it's well, yeah. well, they're not, they're not, they, fat. They're, they're authoritarian. I mean, well, fascism is a part of authoritarian, but like, they're not fat. They, they are communists. They have been protesting the war since its inception. So it's not like any of this is really changing it, but on that point about it affecting the lives of Russians, let's be honest. This is video games. This is an inter- a luxury entertainment brand. No That's Russian true. is outside of esports players who can't do their jobs because of uh, these uh, sanctions. No one's lives are being hurt by not being yeah. able to buy The Witcher for the 15th time. I mean, it depends if you like if, if it's like, hey, you, you buy The Witcher for the 15th time. Or you don't get food, like you know that, that kind of. I mean, take that forty dollars and buy food. <laughs> and I mean, it's you know, it's the, it's the tough reality of uh, wartime. There's not a lot of room for nuance, I guess. I mean, yeah, most people acknowledge the nuance of yeah, these things are going to make lives in Russia harder. But if anything has taught me anything about Russian politics, if you make the lives of Russian people hard enough, they don't blame the people making their lives hard. They will blame the government as responsible. And, yeah. And then they'll throw bears at them. And that's, that's another problem too, because there's a lot of just misinformation and just controlled media over there. That's changing the message to point the mm-hmm. fingers at the people who aren't the problem or who aren't cars on the problem. So yeah, that's, that's just a whole crap. Um, Still, our hearts with uh, Ukraine and, and their people. Hopefully, they are all okay and are, you know being safe. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, sort of pseudo addendum and a part two to this uh, Russia versus Ukraine block of news. Uh, World of Tanks studio fires creative director who voiced support for Russia invasion of Ukraine. Now, unlike the rest of the other stories, which were very much more on the side of let's follow public opinion in this matter. In regards to like mm-hmm. business, this is fundamentally like we as a business fundamentally do not agree with what's going on here. So we're making a more moral based take than more a a uh, like how would I say this like business, right? Yeah, a commercially business take if that makes sense. So uh, Wargaming has fired creative director Sergey. Ber- I want to say it's Berkatovsky. Uh, Ber- uh, I'm going to say Berkatovsky. Tovsky. There we go. I'm going to say that. Your guess is leagues better than mine. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sergey said in the now deleted Facebook post following Russia's attack that he supports the operation of the armed forces of the Russian Federation, the DPR, Donetsk, I'm going to say Donetsk People's Republic, and the LPR, Luhansk People's Republic. Wargaming, a Belarusian company that employs 100 developers in the Ukraine capital, Kiev, quickly just filed a statement telling Russian gaming site CyberSport.ru that the statement is, in his personal opinion, which categorically does not coincide with the position of the company. The studio added that it is now focusing on helping the 550-plus Kiev colleagues and their families. Mm. As this uh, conflict continues, it's going to be very interesting to see how supporting Russia in this matter is going to affect uh, individuals going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, you know, freedom of speech. It, well, I guess no, because yeah, they're in America, right? No, they're yeah. they're uh, Belarus. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I was gonna. Never mind. Okay, uh, story number three. We're we're, we're jumping out of the uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict. We'll probably be revisiting it more as we go along as it continues. But anyway, uh, into. Non-Microsoft or Sony-based acquisition news. Uh, Epic Games has acquired the music streaming service Bandcamp. Uh, this is from Cass Marshall uh, from Polygon. So Bandcamp, a music marketplace founded in 2008, is joining Epic Games, according to an announcement released on Wednesday. Bandcamp will keep operating as a standalone marketplace and music community, wrote Ethan Diamond, Bandcamp co-founder and CEO. Diamond will continue to lead the team, which will continue to focus on artist-first revenue model. 
In the wake of buying, say, Harmonix, this is a weird acquisition in that I can see where it's going, but I couldn't for the life of me tell you what is Epic Games thinking when they made this. Yep. It's a very odd. It's an odd thing, but I, I have a theory about what's happening here. I think this might be a strategic move for whatever they have planned for their quote unquote metaverse. I think this is a good buy in terms of they have Unreal, so they're going to be able to use like developer tools like that, but they don't necessarily have a music or, or some kind of like audio software type stuff that they can like really point to. And I think buying Bandcamp might be a way to solve that issue. I don't know if any of this is going to actually eke out to be anything interesting, but I don't know. I, I think this this could have weight if they are still planning on doing some kind of metaverse stuff, because I believe a couple years back, they talked about uh, being interested in creating a metaverse. So, Is Bandcamp a music streaming service? Yes. To a degree. But you it's... can also like edit music with it and stuff, right? No, that's GarageBand. Yeah, I know. Oh. I know it's a music marketplace. Yeah, it's a marketplace. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure it also has streaming capabilities. That would make the most sense. Like, DJ, I agree with you that this probably is in line with their metaverse to buffer their uh, actual video production capabilities with actual audio mm. production capabilities. Uh, or it could go in line with the Harmonix Spy in regards to bolstering Fortnite's uh, music capabilities mm. in terms of producing live shows and live content. Right. Instead of, like, having to spend money on another live act to bolster it. Like the Ariana the Grande one had like two or three songs by other pro, uh, creators before we got to the Ariana the Grande part. Um, right. They could easily give a spotlight to some, ah, that's never going to happen. I don't know. It's a weird thing. I, it's probably more in line with their meta uh, metaverse thing. Yeah. Yeah. Building out a metaverse. Yeah. I get you. And then our final story, uh, number five, I believe is from Christopher Dring at GameIndustry.biz. I normally don't like talking about video game sales numbers because I find them kind of irrelevant, especially since we don't have all the data and we're just going off of not raw data from like the source, but we're going secondhand for people trying to figure out shit from the back end. But I find this incredibly interesting that Elden Ring is the biggest non-FIFA or Call of Duty launch since Red Dead Redemption 2 from the UK digital charts. Uh, yeah. Its sales are 2.5 times that of last week's big new release, PlayStation's Horizon Forbidden West. In fact, it's the biggest game launch outside of the Call of Duty and FIFA franchises, Red Dead Redemption 2, in October 2018. Its week one sales are bigger than Cyberpunk 2077 and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which delivered significant opening sales back in 22. According to the GSD figures, digital downloads... Yeah, 2020, my bad. According to GSD's figures, digital downloads accounted for 68% of Elder Ring's sales. Xbox and PC were the biggest digital platforms. About 85% of Elder Ring sales on Xbox were downloaded, and on PC it was 73%. For PS5 and PS4, the sales were just over 50%. There's a lot of raw fucking math and shit that they've had to compile, but what I find fascinating is that, like, I knew Elden Ring was going to be big. I just knew it in my bones. I didn't think it was going to get this big. And I'm very curious, because there are other stories alongside that I didn't really post, about its concurrent Steam numbers and how it's been maintaining about over 90,000 concurrent Steam numbers for over two weeks now, mm-hmm. which indicates that like people are still playing that game. And I can't tell if they're still playing that game because they're still into that game. Or It's very interesting. It's very I think interesting. that like just with the, the advent of Twitch and then just mm-hmm. like the trendiness of dark souls style masochistic games i think that's all kind of come together in a in a perfect storm to make elden ring mm-hmm. as big as it is because i remember uh through twitch and then the let's play community like sekiro got numbers like people right, were yeah. going out of their way to watch their favorite let's players or streamers struggle mm-hmm. their way through sekiro so it's been very interesting to see just the the way that those games have gotten more and more popular over time, despite not being very user friendly. To that point, I found it very interesting that I, I believe I got this from Gene 
Park from the Washington Post that, uh, and this is when people were talking about Horizon versus Elden Ring. Horizon hit 20,000 sales in four or five years being on release. That 20,000 eclipses every Souls game. Mm-hmm. I mean, not 20,000, 20 million. That 20 million eclipses every Souls game. Right. So it's very interesting to see the meta shift of how big Souls is because Dark Souls 3 did better than Sekiro. Oh. So it's not like it's been a steady growth of these games. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's less, when I say uh, Sekiro kind of was like a boon for them, it was more so not because people were buying it, but so many people were watching that game get played. And I think that that made more and more people kind of like, hmm, I don't know, maybe I'll try this out as, uh, for the next game as opposed to everybody just going out to buy Sekiro. I will say that in terms of the relationship between Dark Souls games and streaming, I feel like streaming works best when the content is like, in a way, like sweaty content, where it's just like, like the like the Battle Royale stuff, right? Like that is, mm-hmm. it becomes interesting when like the person you're watching is basically fighting for their lives. And it's just like, oh no, is he going to make it? Is, is he going to, is he going to win? Is like. What's going to happen? I think I'm fighting for my life here, man. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Dark Souls kind of taps into that same thing. And like, this is awesome to see that it's doing so good because for me, how I look at it as Dark Souls, I guess, for the most part, is just a niche game. And I think it was a niche game that was allowed to grow and thrive. And it's essentially reached its pinnacle in a way. So it's interesting. I mean, at, I, at, I'm at also, a point, DJ, it kind of evolved from niche. Like it feels very much so mainstream the Dark Souls series. I would say this is the most mainstream a Dark Souls F game has ever gotten. Yeah, yeah. I, I still I would still consider Dark Souls itself as a niche, only because I, I don't know. I actually I don't I don't know why I would consider it a niche. Like I guess it's just because of the way that people talk about it, right? It's like, oh, that's that hard game. I think Dark Souls itself might be a niche, but Souls style games are becoming more and more mainstream. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I would look. I, I agree with that. It's just like how open world games or, were a niche at some point, and then it kind of, or just like RPGs too. But yeah, uh, gaming in general is a niche, and then it kind of become more mainstream, right? Um, all games are niche is actually a conclusion (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if uh, you're going to jump to this Avery but uh, I'm just going to sweep it under your leg Um, I think the the next question is is there going to be a sequel because the rumor was that the next work that what's his name is it Miyazaki yeah I like to call him Michael Zaki Uh, if you're going to bring up Armored Core then if I know anything from FromSoft Unless they're being acquired by someone and someone is saying, mandating, hey, keep making this, they're going to do whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they want. They like, yeah, before yeah. they did Souls and before DJ knew them as the Armored Core people, they were just pumping out weird ass games that were fucking fantastic. Ninja Blade right. is the fucking truth. They're the people who made Metal Wolf Chaos, aka the game where you're playing as the president of the United States, fighting mm-hmm. the vice president in, in giant mechs. Let's party! From Solvi, they wild ass company. And like, they made the Oto- I'm pretty sure they made the Otogi games as well. Like, there is no telling what type of game they're going to make. It, it honestly, it's whatever uh, my, uh, Miyazaki wants to do. He's gotten, yeah. from a production standpoint, he's gotten carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, after the success of Elden Ring and all the reports of Bando Namkai is like, just like throwing money at their devs because of their recent successes, that like, there's no way in the world you could tell him. Don't do whatever the hell you want. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree in that, like, they're going to make whatever they want, especially because they have this notoriety right now. So it's the next game they make is bound to be a success. But I, yeah, I, I still just kind of wonder, it's like, the next game they make is going to be a success, but money is still money. And the way that the marketplace operates in terms of, oh, this is a sequel to that game that everyone talked about. So I don't know. We'll see, though. All right. Um, Avery, is there, that's it, right? That's it. That's all the quick hits. All right. Uh, So with the quick hits being done, the next thing that we do, the next thing that you're here for is the heavy hitter. All right. um, The heavy hitter comes from the direct uh, by way of Sam Hargrave. Uh, New Star Wars game reportedly delayed to 2027. Good God. Okay. 
So, yeah. So this is very interesting, kind of crazy. I'm fine with this in all ways. Like, you can talk about okay. it. But I okay. love hearing about this. Okay. So uh, if you weren't aware of it, Quantum Dream, the creators of cult hit... Um, Nathan? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. What's that game called? What? Why or can't heavy I remember that game? Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. Oh my God! I was thinking Heavy Arms. <laughs> I was like, that's not. It. That's not it. <laughs> you mean the Gundam? <laughs> yes. Is it Nathan right. or Jason? Uh, it's Jason. 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 Yeah. And then the second one is Sean. <laughs> All right. So uh, they and made the most Heavy recent Rain. Game was Detroit um, Become Human. Detroit Become Human. Yeah. Indigo so, Prophecy. And yes, Beyond Two yes. Souls. Beyond Two Souls, okay. So they revealed a action-adventure uh, game called Star Wars Eclipse. Dur- yeah, trailer, yeah, yeah. Um, during the 2021 Game Awards. Which I was there for. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was in person. Yeah, okay. okay. Big shout-out. Um, that was the Marcus Ellison report. We got that information straight from Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> he actually broke the news. No one else knew except for him. Yeah. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Jeff Grubb. I'm a reporter. (laughs) (laughs) The number two game journalist, Marcus Ellison. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, um, Star Wars Eclipse was crazy. No one expected it, and it blew everyone's minds at the same time. Um, Everyone was kind of wondering, like, okay, well, when is this coming out? Because there was no release date or anything tied to that. So we got a recent uh, story break, according to an exclusive report from X-Fire's Tom Henderson. Quantic Dream's High Republic set Star Wars Eclipse is expected to release in 2027 or 2028 due to difficulties hiring staff for the next-gen project. To go into that further, back in uh, December 2021, Quantic Dream had over 60 job openings available at the French studio, which remains the case today at 67 vacancies currently listed on its site. This is shocking, but not shocking to anyone that's following the industry. So the news comes after years of accusations of sexual harassment and toxic workplace culture pointed towards the French studio. Following the reported release delay, hashtag Blackout Star Wars Eclipse began trending on Twitter in response to the controversy surrounding the studio. So um, to go along with the story, Jeff Grubb also checked in and confirmed that this is the case. And he said cynically... Yeah, because yeah. the, the, the issue with this story is it came from like one of those very, very, very weird small websites mm-hmm. that often partake in just like going on NeoGAF and seeing if someone said anything and then reporting it as content. So like I didn't believe yeah. this until I saw Jeff Grubb share the tweet and say, I also confirmed this. So this is a real story. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, as Avery said that, uh, yes, uh, Jeff Grubb tweeted and said cynically a good reason not to even have the appearance of a toxic environment at your studio is that you might be fucked when making your next game because no one wants to work with you and i think this all kind of goes into the fact that they're not able to get um they're not able to get people into the studios to work on these games and pushing back the release date so jordan yes when this game was first announced, I was excited until I saw who was developing it, being Quantic Dreams. I have nothing against Quantic Dreams. People do enjoy their games, but Detroit Beyond Human left a pretty sour taste in my mouth in terms of Did that you play story. That? Yep. Oh, Press X okay. to civil rights. And oh, yeah. <laughs> seeing that the project management, where it is right now, to which they were given money to flesh out those positions, but didn't have the HR infrastructure to fill them, but also it's like it's clear that this story goes beyond what is being told here. Like there are game developers that have clearly blacklisted this studio. So mm-hmm. what Disney needs to do is cancel this fucking game, cancel it like like a five like five years like just just cancel it, give it to somebody else, just because there's no point right now. Five fucking years. Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, okay. Like, one, if the game doesn't exist, you can't really give it to someone else. So, like... Yeah, I mean, like, like cancel it, but I don't, like, it doesn't need to come out. Honestly, I like Quantic Dream. I like their games. I think they are the best at doing those type of games. 
uh, like just from a production and actual gameplay standpoint. Like as much as I love the uh, the Life of Strange of the Worlds and I love the Telltales of the Worlds, the thing that those games always lack are actual like gameplay choice yeah. and, and like oh, actual okay. mechanical choices. And for the most part, uh, Cage's games at least give them to them. His games are relatively hit or miss in that Heavy Rain, I think, is a fantastic game with some weird narrative choices. But, but I think Beyond the Two Souls is probably one of the worst written games he's ever made, which could have probably been saved with a little bit of editing. Uh, I As think the only person here that played Indigo Prophecy, that also slaps. Yeah, Indigo Prophecy slaps as well. And then I think Detroit is probably their best made game. And my mm-hmm. issues with that game are less with its civil rights themes and more that I just think robot versus human conflicts are boring. So the entire Marcus portion of that game is just like the most uninteresting thing to me. And that's one third of that game. And so like, I just this don't is, care this about is a it. studio that's having severe issues with uh, the treatment but, of women. I understand. I didn't get it really f- finished my thought. Uh, I'm on the mindset that because we had this discussion ages ago on this podcast about what to do with Quantum Dream, especially when all this stuff got bought out. And I was of the mindset that when this shit comes out and out in the streets and we know everything, it will solve itself. And this is an example of it solving itself. How so? No one wants to work for them. If no one wants to work for them, either two things are going to happen. Either the studio itself needs to implode and its creatives go somewhere else to make something else. Or they, they cut out the re- cancer. Yeah, or they as a studio need to refocus on what type of games they want to make. In regards to Star Wars Eclipse, it, should Disney cancel it? It depends on what Disney wants. Because the, here's the thing, this Quantic Dream stuff has been out in the, in the ether for years. Disney would have gone into this partnership knowing full well what this studio was about and everyone's involved. And so they've made this decision to get in bed with them. So I'm of I the think mind. That's what's super weird though. Like the fact that the stuff has been out there and Disney still is like, yeah, you can, you can do star Wars. Yeah, go for it. Mm-hmm. I trust John Drake with a lot of their Disney like video game stuff. Cause he's been doing a lot of really good work. And when I saw star Wars Eclipse, I'm like, this looks interesting. I'm not like the biggest like video game star Wars fan. So that wasn't like, yeah, brand new Star Wars. Because, like, the last brand new Star Wars game I got, Jedi Fallen Order, I didn't really love. So, like, when it got to Quantic Dream, I was like, oh, now I'm interested in this because I like the games they make. That being said, I was also of the mindset that interesting choice. Interesting choice. I really want to see where this is going. Now we see where it's going. So, to finish my thought, because ultimately what Jordan is talking about, for the most part, I agree with 100%. I'm just of the mindset that Disney went into this partnership 100% knowing all the problems with the studio. So, like, there's the whole, oh, no, we're canceling it because we didn't know this would be a problem. That's fucking dumb. You 100% knew this was going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way you, you didn't know this would be a problem. So you can't act like the saints in this matter. Right. You're, you're Disney. You've already mismanaged Star Wars as it is. Like, I say just fucking let it, let it go. Give them the time to see what they do. If the game is ultimately bullshit at the very end, then, like, it is what it is. You're Disney. You have the money. No one cares. Was this the first game that LucasArts publishing? Because like oh, that was that, that's a recent thing. Indiana Jones is about to come out. Is this the like the yeah. second game that they're developing right now? No, because there is the KOTOR remake that we already knew about before this. Okay. Frankly, I mean, I think if they were to kind of slide the game over into someone else's camp and they still wanted to have that ability to tell a game story in a quantic dream way with a lot of choice and effectiveness on uh the narrative by your choices i'm almost like just go to bioware then like no bioware's a shell of myself <laughs> rest in peace i have two things with that one bioware one a is having a star wars game they made being remade and two are still working on the old republic i'm not sure if that game is still alive no it is like if they give it to bioware we still see that game in 2027 because they're working no, on that's what i'm saying like if and new- if, yeah. if you're that committed oh, to come out, this yeah, yeah. exactly it's still not coming out till 2027 and then two, all well. the reports right, of star right, wars right. eclipse indicate that it's maybe not even going to be a quantic dream ass game mm. then why I give it to quantic dream if that's- i'm guessing is that they had a pitch uh, for the New Republic stuff that Disney really liked. Mm. I think that's where I sit on all of this. Like, yeah, Quantic Dream is a terrible place. Like, we, we've seen all that stuff. 
yeah, it's super weird that Disney is going with Quantic Dream to make a Star Wars game that is for at least how I look at it. There's going to be like combat combat in that game. And I, I appreciate what Quantic Dreams in terms of their decision making, like gameplay mechanics and stuff and how that's like, you know, for lack of better words, pretty revolutionary. I, I just I fall off when I think of like them doing combat because I've heard that Detroit's, I guess, combat is like not great. Like when it comes to the moving and like any of that stuff, that's where it falters a lot. Quantic Dream has always had weird combat in that it's very button prompty but not in the way that it's not easy button prompty it's almost rhythm based at places and you know that's a choice um i will say that like for me personally i'm probably the out of everybody here maybe i'm on the same level with dj but like i'm the least star wars fan like i i don't really care that much but yeah the fact that this style of game being made in the Star Wars universe, I'm very interested in that possibility because I'm like, huh, I'm always a big fan of games where your choices mean something or, you know, they right. give you chances to go down different roads and having that be in the Star Wars universe. And from at least the looks of that trailer, it doesn't seem like a Star Wars universe that's that well, I'm familiar with. I've never really Yoda's seen in the, Yoda's in the trailer. So there's that. Was Yoda yeah. in the trailer? Yeah. Oh, well, even still, it doesn't seem like Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker is in the game. You could, and you could play Knights of the Republic. That was a game of choices. All right, whatever. Then fuck it. <laughs> I try to give you a way out. I mean, I'll play the remake. I'll play the remake. But that, that, that's what that mm-hmm. uh, choice system is. You know? No, yeah, but that, that, what I'm saying is like when I found out about Eclipse, it was like, oh, I'm intrigued because it was the type of game that is usually up my alley. But that being said, like, I'm in agreement with everything else that you guys are saying. At this point, Luke or, or Disney knew what they were doing by choosing Quantic Dream. There's no way they didn't know. And so now it's just really about seeing how Quantic Dream adjusts and how they choose to move forward because either they're going to fumble the bag or they're going to adapt. And yeah, the most interesting thing is if they fumble this bag, then that's them as a studio. Just Dunsky. Like, like you can't, you can't get the star Wars job and then do super poor and then be like, we're also a shitty studio. (laughs) Like (laughs) like, they'll basically be Gina Carano in that way. Like here's the thing. I love naughty dog. Love naughty dog. They put out the last of us part two. chef's kiss. You you could have workplace problems and put that game out, and I'll be like, same with Red Dead. You could <laughs> be like, yeah. but you put out Red Dead, so I'm like, okay, but you can't be also shitty studio and then put out fucking X Blade. And I'll say that like, I'll say that like also, at least with the Naughty Dog situation, like. The crunch stuff was definitely an issue, but outside of that, it doesn't seem like it's a dumpster fire studio. Like no, sexual harassment and all that. Exactly. So like mm-hmm. they can get away with that in terms of like crunch is a industry wide problem and that doesn't make it OK, but it's still just like, OK, well, this is something that on a macro level needs to be worked on as opposed to quantic dream where it's like nah bro you need to get these people to fuck up out of there because this has never been okay Mm. right yeah i mean i it's interesting to see what happens like 2027 2028 is very far off and as we know games and release dates are very flexible and, and things a lot of things can happen between now and 2027 so uh, that would be very close to the end of this console generation because usually console generations so. mean six to eight years and these consoles came out in 2020 oh, yeah. so it's like the tail end yeah. you think our podcast still gonna be a thing <laughs> <laughs> you, th- you think <laughs> 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 Yes, Marcus, you'll still be editing hour and a half long episode. your chat. So just prepare. I mean, if we if we keep going on this topic, he'll be editing an hour and a half episode. Yeah, you're right. 
Oh man. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's it's it sucks for the people who are in the studio that's like giving their all to trying to work on this game, knowing that there's empty seats to the left and right of them, and they're just there's nothing mm-hmm. they can really do about that. But I mean, I think when you zoom out a little bit, this is sort of an issue that the entire industry itself is dealing with because you do see a lot of trailers where I think the last uh, Starfield trailer, Todd Howard said mm-hmm. like, yeah, uh, this is Starfield. Remember, you can always um, go to our website to to see what position we have available. Maybe you can come help and make yeah. this magic magic or whatever. Yeah, yeah the, so, the, the mindset that every video game trailer we're seeing nowadays, especially for games that aren't even imminent, is that they're just advertisements to get people into the studio. Yeah. Which is what I'm guessing the Star Wars Eclipse was as a trailer. Right, yeah, yeah. And I I think the reason why we're seeing this happen is that in the grand scheme of gaming, we're in the phase of everything that's bad happening in the game industry and the studios is coming out. And I think that is possibly giving a negative impression about what's the experience like making video games. So people are a little hesitant. And on top of the whole pandemic and all the other stuff that's pressing on us. Like, I, I feel like all that's kind of contributing to this whole, like, oh, we're, we don't have enough developers. We need to figure this out. Like, something's happening. So, But, you know, as things do, they should correct themselves. So we'll see what happens. All right. I think that's it. That's it for the heavy hitter. Okay. Well, before we jump into what we have been playing, we have a word from our sponsors. It's us. Wink. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. Have you been enjoying this episode so far? Would you like to make sure you keep getting the best laughs, latest news, most fire takes? Then we're going to need your help. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show. And if you have, tell three people about the podcast. Could be strangers, could be friends, could be loved ones, hated ones. Who cares? Every little bit helps. After you've done that, please follow us on Facebook at Press X number two start, at Instagram at Press X number two start, and Twitter Press X number two S. And now on our YouTube page at Press X to start TV. If you've done all these things, well done. You're a real one. And we are back. Now it is time to talk about the games we have been playing. First up, Elden Ring. Um, we will have Jordan, you give your little, uh, your experience with the rings and, and, and being elder. And, and then Avery, you can talk about your, uh, your update and the, the saga that is a Dark Souls game for you. So, so Jordan, hi, how are you feeling about Elden Ring? I played about 25 minutes of it. And 25 minutes that's barely enough to die five times full disclosure this is the first from software game i've played i believe okay and mm-hmm. i was familiar with the difficulty of these games mm-hmm. um i heard good things about Elden ring from many people and i was like you know what screw it i'll uh buy and see how far i get i chose the warrior class because i was like hey two blades are better than one starting off and I went across this meadow. I saw the giant golden horse. Um, I've seen many people die to it, so I stayed clear of that. I saw like a little, you know, group of enemies, and I killed one of them. And I was like, all right, this is dope. And I exited <laughs> the game. <laughs> I mean, it, I, like, I just got distracted. I mean, like, it's okay, okay, okay. I get it. You know, like I, I get it. You know, I, I understand a lot of this game is a uh, root optimization. Um, a lot of it is trial and error. Um, a lot of it is lamenting when you are weak compared to certain bosses. Like this boss is not meant mm-hmm. to be beaten right now unless you truly want to kill them um, and are willing to commit an hour or two to do it. I'm not in that mindset right now. Uh, okay. I do plan on coming back to it when I have more mental bandwidth. It's the best way I can put it. Yeah. And yeah, in terms of performance, I am. I did get on the PS5. 
Um, I am seeing the uh, frame rate issue, like distinctively at certain points. Yeah. Um, Like when you're looking over a large area, you know, made up a good amount of enemies, it can dip in frames at times. Um, But yeah, that's that's my current perspective. I I, I didn't do a naked and afraid playthrough because emotionally I am naked and afraid in this game. So I think that's good enough. (laughs) (laughs) So so, this ass out trying not to die. (laughs) The spark notes of Jordan's uh, experience in Dark Souls or in Elden Ring. He spawned in. He opened the gates. He saw the open world. He saw the golden horse guy. He was like, I'm not I'm not about that. Oh, yeah, 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 tree sentinel. And he's like, I'm not about that. He saw some other people that were obviously weaker than me. And he was like, I'm about that. <laughs> I'm about that. <laughs> All right, uh, Avery, you've been uh, digging into Elden Ring. Give us your update. Okay, so uh, pretty much most of my critiques about this game have been it's a Souls game. And when I say that, People don't understand what I mean by that, and what I mean to be that, go back to that fucking Bloodborne episode I did ages ago, and now that's exactly my same fucking review here. It's a Souls game. I'm enjoying it. It's fun. It's hard. This is the weirdest Souls experience I've had, because this is the first time I haven't had hindsight to guide me forward. I've had to make a lot of trial and error decisions uh, for myself, which are very interesting uh, and kind of upsetting in a way that like i'm not playing this game optimized it also doesn't help that this game's open world is one giant and sprawls in every direction and uh gates itself weirdly i say that in that sean talked about early on about seeing the giant dragon in the lake outside uh in the main area and like okay a small encampment lower to there where there's like four or five guys now at this point in the game i'm level 30 something and i've killed pretty much most of the main bosses in the main area. I was in the middle of doing the storm hill, uh, the castle in the main area where I kept dying to a minor enemy in the like lower part of the map. Like it's just this guy with a shield and it's just like kicking my ass. I'm like, I'm gonna go back and do some leveling up, see if I can't come back stronger. So I'm in the fucking uh, lake. I, I code this encampment. I kill everyone there. There's a place called like the Dragon Ruins or something. There's a tunnel under it. I go into the tunnel. There's a chest in there. At this point, I open the chest. I'm like, as far as I'm aware of, there are no mimics in this game. So I'm, I'm fine. Oh. I open the chest and it's not a mimic. It's a trap. And I get teleported halfway across the goddamn map. Oh, no. So now I'm in a completely new area. Uh, enemies that I'm absolutely, I can take because I'm level 30. But I'm just not used to fighting them. Like, remember that d- statue boss we were talking about? And how it had this yeah. weird animation, it had this weird shape? There are slightly like that enemies here that are giant, big-headed dogs that can, like... Oh, yeah. When, yeah. yeah, when they charge, they charge. And I have a blocking shield, so I'm like, I can negate the first hit. But then yeah. the charge just keeps going forward. And so it breaks my guard, and I just get one shot yeah. at my health. Long story short... Thankfully, this game's uh, teleportation system is actually more forgiving, and all I need to do is like get out of this new area, and I could get back on my path. But that's pretty much my Elden Ring experience right now. I haven't hit the molding period where I just want to say fuck my life with this game, uh, okay. like where in Sekiro where I got to the second owl fight, and I'm just like, well, I'm done with this game for now. Like I just can't figure this out, and I don't have the time or energy to right. do this. Uh, but yeah. I'm enjoying Elden Ring. I'm not loving it. It hasn't hit the heights of Bloodborne for me, and that I find its world way more generic than Bloodborne. So, like, the story that's being told, which don't let anyone who is a Souls fan tell you that this is the most easy spoon-fed story in Souls history. It's not. Sekiro is that. Sekiro is a game, if you want a story, it tells you from front to beginning, and it's very relatively clear on what you're doing. No, this is very esoteric. I don't know what's going on. And I just, uh, I'm like, I'm looking, I'm trying to become an Elden Lord to find the Elden Ring. That's about what I know, but don't know what anything I'm doing was. I fought Margaret and like, I don't know who Margaret's entire deal was. He was just a guy. I fucking killed him. And so I'm moving on. (laughs) Yeah, Elden Ring is pretty pop. Okay, all right. So I'm I'm enjoying the game we're going to talk about next more than I'm enjoying Elden Ring. Gotcha. Yeah. So before we jump into the next game, do you have like any tips for 
people who are just starting out in the game, like from what you've experienced, like what would be like maybe the moves you made or moves you kind of wish you made now that you have more learnings from the game? Yeah. Well, uh, go back to the Press X archives. Back when I was originally on this show, I did a podcast where I talked about Bloodborne. Every tip I have about Bloodborne is applicable to every tip about Elder Ring because it's a Souls game. Long story short, the only thing I will say is that your starting class doesn't really matter. Your starting stats don't matter. Uh, ultimately, once you get into the game, get to the game proper, you can build out your character any way you see fit. Like, I started out as a samurai, and frankly, if I wanted to, I could be a mage right now. And that was like maybe five hours into the game. Like, it's not that hard to oh. change what direction you want your character to go on. Okay. That's actually good for me because I, I am thinking about dabbling in more magic once I get back into that game. So yeah. it actually helps me out. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, well, then, now that we've done talking about Elden Ring, uh, let us jump into the Horizon Forbidden West talk. Marcus, give us your little update on the game, please. As uh, the person playing the game actively right now that is definitely in last place, I recently finished Death's Door, which is the mission's name. Uh, where you see Hades again. I won't spoil anything because Jordan is not playing the game yet. I'm fine. Spoil it. <laughs> well, yeah, you see Hades um, and uh, you find out that Silence has interrogated him and messed with his data and messed with his memory archives. And then the game kind of uh, does its first big reveal, which has been talked about on this podcast before, just not at length, where you find out some things um there's a new well, spoilers group by the way Spo- spo- spoilers yeah. by way spoilers by way this is all well, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say anything oh, I'm just okay, saying okay. that there's a, there's okay. a new group at play and yeah. it kind of to a degree blows the doors off of the story a bit and <laughs> I can't say anything I mean like <laughs> I will say that it is a reveal that I I kind of saw coming as okay. yeah. Avery said off the podcast it kind of telegraphed itself um and if you know anything about kind of sci-fi storytelling. It's something that you can entertain a thought of early on and you're just like, are they going to go that route? And then it did. And I'm like, yep, that makes sense. Um, And so now I am about to go to Plain Song and my feelings about the game are pretty much the same as uh, my feelings were last week. It is a strong 8, 8.5 for me still. It's a game that is, to me so far, carried by the gameplay, even though there's some jank there in terms of just like the the movement can be kind of weird sometimes in terms of Aloy being very sticky, but also yeah. selectively sticky. So like at times you'll like stick to every surface annoyingly so. And then at times like a button prompt won't work and then you just fall off the surface. It's weird. But the gameplay is fun. Uh, that is still the most fun I'm having with the game going out into the world and fighting things. I just recently killed a Thunderjaw at my first encounter hey. with a Thunderjaw and thankfully I didn't die. And, um, I look forward to just finding out more stuff, uh, to kill in the world, uh, with, uh, with my charger buddy. Oh, yeah, As for the story, you know, I'm still curious to see where things go, but, uh, I'm still kind of waiting for it to really grab me and be like, yo, this is the shit. Right now, it's like, this is cool. Okay, gotcha. Still really hasn't yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, uh, Sean's not on the cast, but Sean is pretty much at the final mission, and he decided to pause from that and is just wrapping up everything else. So I, I think by next week, we'll, we'll have a review cast. Um. I am playing the game, of course, as I've said before in previous podcasts, and I still say the same thing. I'm absolutely loving this game. Um, I am still astounded hours in about how awesome the the graphics are in this game. Like, even when you're just walking through the desert and you look to your right and you see a tall neck just kind of doing this little thing as it's walking around in a circle, and then you you look to your left and you see a thunder jaw just fucking up some dude and you're like oh god wait hold up let me go help that guy (laughs) yeah and like um i i love the the sense of progression and the sense of just like 
oh, I am getting stronger in this world. Like the first time I fought a um, Thunderjaw, actually, that was the, the, the Thunderjaw that you beat, Marcus, was the first Thunderjaw that I encountered. And I basically got on top of a rock and I shot an arrow at it and it looked at me and it was like, what are you doing? And it just targeted me with one of the missiles and just wrecked my entire soul. And I was like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> I've learned a lesson yeah. there. <laughs> The Thunderjaw, like that whole experience, I won't talk really long about it, but that whole experience mm. was interesting because I, I saw on the map like that the Thunderjaw was there and I was like, ooh, let me mm. see what's good over there. And I was only level 16 at the time. So I was like, there's a oh, yeah. possibility that I might get washed. But then I got to that rock formation. And I was like, OK, I can angle a pursuit this actually. I think I can mm-hmm. I think I can do this because there was also a lot of patches of uh, the flowers to hide in. Yeah, so I'm like, I think I can yeah. do this. So I set up some traps because he's weak to acid and I strategically picked him apart slowly but surely and kept <laughs> shooting off his weak points. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he eventually died. He was very upset, yeah. but he eventually died. <laughs> So yeah, like there's so many different moments in this game that continues to just amaze me. And I think for me, like right now, this is my game of the year. And the way that I ingest games, I'm, I mean, if God of War comes out, I think that's going to be something that could probably dethrone this game. But I don't like right now and like just listening to Sean and Avery just kind of rave about like what happens in the story later on like i'm just like man this this might be it for me like it might be this this february game that that's it like rest of the years don't even matter but um yeah like i don't want to talk about story too much uh in terms of gameplay i am in agreement with marcus about the weird stickiness of some of the controls and how Ayla reacts to her environment sometimes um fighting another thunder draw i died because I went to jump and she jumped on top of a rock that was like three feet tall. And I'm sitting just clinging onto the rock and the thunder. I was like, is that the move that you're going to make right now? And I'm like, I can't control myself. I am sorry. And it just shot me with a missile and, and killed me again. So there's like little times like that. There is a, there is a, a snap mall mission where like this game has a weird habit of kind of forcing you to play the way that it wants you to play and you can't really use the options that you think would be um kind of cool to do or to use and i think in a perfect world i would love for horizon to um take another step towards breath of the wild by having their i guess their quote unquote chemistry system where the different elements don't also affect the robot. They also infect the world or affect the world in a way where, like, for example, if you shoot electricity at an enemy and the enemy is water-based and the enemy goes into water, the, the enemy might just do more damage. Like, stuff like that would be really cool to see. Although that definitely did bother me because yeah. I also fought, like, a, a snapper jaw. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Snap uh, Snap maw. Oh, snap maw. Snap maw. Yeah. I fought a snap mop uh, not that long after fighting the Thunderjaw and it was submerged in the water and it was weak to electricity. So I was like, yeah. bet, I'm going to fuck this dude up. And <laughs> there was just no... Nothing, right? I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's kind of whack. And I, I think the, the reason why, you know, something like that is the case and why that's kind of bothersome now is that looking at Horizon 1 and now looking at Horizon 2, that time gap, there's been a lot of games that really push that kind of interaction on top of like Breath of the Wild. When it came out, like that was kind of its bread and butter. So I think, you know, however they do the next game, if there's a next game, I don't know what this game is. When it, I don't know how it ends and any of that stuff. So like, I hope that that kind of gets into the system in some way, shape or form. But yeah, overall, I'm absolutely loving this game. Um, if you haven't played Forbidden West, get it. You, you don't necessarily need to play uh, Zero Dawn. Like, it does a pretty good job of telling you the stuff that's important from the first game and kind of getting you on board. Um, this is definitely a game that you don't want to miss. That's where I'm at. Avery, where are you with Forbidden West? 
I have beaten the game. I have gotten the platinum trophy, and I effectively have done a hundred percent of everything involved in regards to that game. So it's no longer on my hard drive. Uh, so I, I I've moved on emotionally from Horizon Forbidden West. It had my soul for about two and a half weeks, and I'm glad it's gone. No, that being said, I all of everything I've been saying about this game, <laughs> I think, is still apt. I think this, in comparison to Horizon One, it is. A chef's kiss step up. I don't think it's a masterpiece, and that's why I think it's going to get penalized later on in the year in terms of other games that may or may not potentially come out. This is a game that's a 9, 8.5 to me, solid. Uh, and I think that... Pretty, I'm pretty, at there, too. I'm at there. At, I'm pretty apt at that. I think in comparison to Horizon 1, I, I made this uh, analogy in our chat, but I'm going to say it again here. Horizon 1 was a very profound but singular type of sci-fi story it's we have one topic we're going to explore that topic and we're going to go through this horizon forbidden west it's gonzo as fuck they throw five to ten high concept sci-fi things at you and as a direct result every reveal feels like a what the fuck is going on because like like you thought you were playing this game but now it's this game and i'm like Okay, and get to the point where I'm at the finale and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I wonder how they're going to justify a third Horizon game. Oh, that's how they're going to justify a third Horizon game. Okay, I'm down the fucking clown. This is the most, I did not expect when you started with, oh, robot future till we get to, this is the true villain of the Horizon franchise. It's fucking lit. Yeah. I, I think the last act of this game is so fucking fun. It's so fucking fun oh. and it's so fucking cool. I said two things in our chat uh, that I want to reiterate. Uh, it takes a lot from Jim Cameron's Avatar. It takes a little bit of Cowboy vs. Aliens. I'm not going to specify either one of what those mean because, like, okay, okay. but like, it's one of those. I'm, I'm a little concerned when you said that it takes things <laughs> from Avatar. <laughs> there's a, there's, well, you don't like blue aliens, Marcus? <laughs> I've already said, I've already come out and said that Horizon 1 story is better, like, structurally written better than Horizon 2 story. Because Horizon 2 story decides to go in so many fucking different directions that it doesn't really get a lot of time to breathe. Like I was talking about in our chat, there's like, there are a couple of moments in the first Horizon game that I think are just like chef's kiss, like, fantastic writing moments uh, mm-hmm. in terms of like high cosmic sci-fi. Horizon 2 doesn't really get to those moments to like the very end. And at that point, I'm like, you waste a little bit too much time to get to this point in terms of like getting me deeply invested in the meta narrative going on here. But like that being said, I love Horizon. I think this is a great game. If you have a PlayStation Five, play it. It's probably the best game on this console. Uh, it's probably is it the best game that PlayStation has released on the console? Yes. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say I, I would think so. Like the competitions, there's not. I mean, you got Ratchet and Clank, you got Kenna, you got, uh, uh, what's the game? What's the game? What's the, what's Returnal. the, uh, Returnal, you got, uh, Babylon's Fall. <laughs> that's a square thing. That's, that's square. It's not like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll say, and I mean, obviously I haven't beat the game yet. I think from a just pure gameplay standpoint, this game might be the best from a total package standpoint. I still like Ratchet more. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting argument because we were having this conversation in our chat about Horizon and its flowers and people not getting it. To me, Ratchet is the when people think of cookie cutter AAA Sony game, I think of a game like Ratchet and Clank. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think Horizon is nearly close to that ideal, but narratively they push it in interesting directions, and from a design standpoint, it's way more interesting than Ratchet because one of my big problems with Ratchet is that they don't really explore the rift dimensional stuff as much as you want them to do. That would be the oh, biggest. Yeah, I don't, the reason why I said total package though is everything that I was promised with Ratchet, I got. Like that's what and I, that's I that, then, I, then I agree with your, from your point of view, I agree with that. From my point of view, it wouldn't be because that's just me setting that's a fair. super low bar. For video games. That's that's totally fair. It's just Horizon takes more risks. Yeah. I'm just not as ben, enamored ben with Horizon as you guys are. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I get Thumbs that. up on Horizon. I've got the platinum trophy. Uh the melee pit trials can go fuck themselves. What my was issue- the hardest uh 
uh, trophy you had to get? The melee pit trophy. Everything else okay. I got by the end of the game. Like I had four trophies yeah. by the end I didn't get. One required a ability you don't get to the second to last mission, so you couldn't really get that trophy till the very end. One required a cauldron that I had missed because I just missed it. And then another one was fighting the Erduring, which requires you to do all the melee trophies. In regards to this game's platinum, it's a pretty good platinum. Outside of the melee pits, it doesn't require you to do everything in the game. It just awesome. requires you to participate in enough of the things in the game to get it. Except for the melee pits, which I think are poorly designed and unfun. Like, I know DJ loves melee in this game, and that's like a whatever thing. But like the way... I, I, like, the I like melee. I don't love it. It, it has its problems. In the review, I'll talk about that. The way the melee uh, trials are set up in this game are so bullshit in that before you can actually do the, the melee pit trial, you have to do a series of tutorials, mm -hmm. which are then gated behind abilities that you may or may not have in your skill tree. Mm -hmm. So like, unless you're a, a warrior focused person, you can't really do the melee pit trials until you get to like the end game. And then even yeah. then, the way those tutorials are lifted, especially when you get to uh, three and four of the melee pit trials are so dumb because it's not like here's a new move try out this new move it's all right here are four different moves you need to fucking chain them together and the way we're explaining the, how the moves work don't make sense so yeah the melee tricks yeah. don't fuck themselves yeah the terminology used for melee pits I, I just did the third one and it was like one I actually learned something because yeah as Avery said I've been using melee a lot in this game and I didn't know you could string together two melee hits that they showed you in the melee pit and I was like oh that's actually interesting to like actually no right but yeah in terms of its description uh, or it describing the moves like i i'm not a fan of the word choices they use so it, it is confusing so i i agree with avery on that and i haven't done the fourth one yet so i'm i'm preparing for that but um okay that has been our horizon talk jordan tell us about your time in cyberpunk 2077 yeah, they just had a new update, 1.5, and it looks good. You know, I played the original Xbox One version, which was upward res for the Xbox Series X on a Series mm -hmm. X. So mm -hmm. you still had the ability for, like, um, better frame rate, essentially, um, on the increased frame rate. And, yeah, I mean, like, I'm playing it again as a street kid. And I'm going to give them credit in terms of how robust they made this game in terms of its narrative. Because even though I'm playing the same background story or mostly just like I'm like doing, I feel like I'm doing the same things, but there are things that I did not see the first time that I'm noticing now in terms of the mm -hmm. outcomes of certain uh, key missions, in terms of how you can run into certain characters later on um, and what interactions you have with them the first time, you know, may be different. But other than that, yeah, you know, it's cyberpunk version 1.5 and okay. it's more cyberpunk <laughs> so has there been anything so far that you've uh experienced that's been like very different from vanilla cyberpunk no Other there than, hasn't i mean okay. i'm not new i'm not noticing any new missions that were added they claim to have added more missions but yeah i'm not seeing them as of yet i'm trying to play as much as i can this time around than my first playthrough like you know mm -hmm. all the side kids and um what are they called the uh the psycho cyber psychos cyber cyber psychosis oh, yeah. you know yeah. Yeah, missions too but yeah there's really not that much um new in terms of content that i'm noticing but it, it, there is tremendous visual improvement yeah that's good to hear actually uh also one last thing have you gotten the throwing knives yet i can't find them okay. i can't I, i've gone to a few uh armory vendors Mm -hmm. And uh, that's ironic because I did go into that build or like, I think that's part of Code Blooded. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had to look up where I can find some throwing knives because you can't just throw regular knives like, you know, bloody knives right. and shit like that you can find. But yeah, I, I have not found that gadget yet. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's good that it is not broken again and it's actually a fixed game that you can play and it looks good. So on console. It kind of it kind of makes you think <laughs> right. that they should have delayed it. Played on years. PC. Fantastic game. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, right. I, thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, like Avery, I thought it was great the first time around, you know, like mm -hmm. back back when we had our original review, I was on here defending this game and yeah. I was playing. I think it was you and, you and Sean, because you both were playing it on the, the newer gen consoles. Right. And then the rest of us peons were struggling through that buggy mess. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that has been the episode for today. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting apps. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. And then to share your uh, your device that you are looking at or listening with to your friend and then tell them about the podcast because we would appreciate that uh, that spreading of the word. Um, if you miss any of this, you can find all details and more on our website at pressx2start.com. And until next time, you, you be safe, you take care, uh, you pray for Ukraine, and you wash your hands. Peace.